Hello everyone, welcome once again to Reason for Hope. Thank you for joining us. Reason for Hope is an hour-long live broadcast which is guided by your questions on the Bible. That's right, you can send your questions in uh, to us and we will search the scriptures to find the answers to those questions. So any honest question you have about the Bible, maybe a verse or passage of scripture, maybe Christianity as a whole, maybe even other belief systems or things going on in the world or things going on in your world, any honest question you have, as long as you know, we're going to turn to the Word to find those answers. That's what we're all about here at The Reason for Hope. So we're very glad for you, the viewer, uh, for sending your questions in and creating that content. We never know where it's going to go. It's based on your questions, so it's very exciting. So with us today, our two brave victims here. <laughs> victims. <laughs> no, we're more than conquerors in Christ. We're that's not right. Victims. Yes, that. That's what I meant yeah. to say. More than conquerors. It's cool to be a victim in our culture, though. So <laughs> yes. Maybe we should uh, go with that. Maybe we should. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is definitely something people like to adopt. But we have uh, Pastor Scott Richards. Uh, he is the senior pastor here at Calvary Christian hey, Fellowship. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's good yeah. to see you. Yeah, Thanks. it's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Yeah, uh, by the way, did you know that today is... Um, uh, May the 4th, which That's is right. May, the 4th May the 4th Be With be You with Day. You. And in honor of that, uh, before we get to anything else, in the Jerusalem Post, they had an article that, uh, according to NASA, on May the 4th, Be With You Day, an asteroid the size of six Darth Vaders <laughs> is going to pass by, between the Earth and the moon today. Oh, nice. You know how they, they measure the, I, how they've said like this thing is as big as six hippopotamuses yeah. or six giraffes. Well, six Darth Vader's. Darth Vader's. I like yeah. that. I don't think it's the Darth Vader. No. Or Darth Vader and six of his closest friends. But it's <laughs> and little, for those of you who are unaware, Darth rock. Vader's height is 2.03 meters. So. Yeah. so do the math. They should continue with that because there's lots of different Star Wars. You know, Yoda's obviously very small and some of the creatures. You could you could make a whole measurement now, system if it out was, of that. Now, if it was six Chewbacca's, then we'd have something to worry about. Yes, exactly. Or, I don't so, know. Six foot seven's not small. No, or two Death Stars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, well, good. Thank you for sharing. That's not a moon. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, right. That's right. Also with us, Sean Richards, Pastor Sean Richards. <laughs> we digress. How are you doing today? Regretting I didn't wear my Jedi robes and also yes. wondering of the dilemma. Do I encourage premarital hand-holding while they're at the altar getting married? Yes, Sean is going to do his first wedding this Saturday. No, not this Saturday. Right. Oh, it's, it's in June. Sunday. Okay. It's in June. Yeah. It's in June. So, Coming but he's up. already, you're already fretting then. Um, <laughs> uh, considering uh, fun references, I've known the couple since they were uh, in middle school. So it's uh, fun to see the babies grow up and marry each other. That sounded weird. But the yeah. uh, idea is the hope that it will be a positive event for everyone involved so yeah. yeah but this will be the first wedding you've ever done right yeah yep and yeah, that'll be awesome if it goes horribly the fourth memorial i'll ever do <laughs> it does but, make you feel old though hard when you've known kids in the church grow up and then you're marrying them and then they're having their own kids and all that kind of stuff it does make you feel like well i could tell you by. um uh, quasi embarrassing stories about our own peter martin when oh, he yeah. was a uh, little tyke. I bet. Uh, he was quite the handful. Uh, yeah. He still is, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I, I, will, I will refrain. <laughs> but I, I remember him when he was quite the, uh, the little caged tiger yeah. of an infant. I bet. Lots of energy. Yeah. And uh, uh, 
very little self-control. Very self-controlled now. Well, if you want to hear those yeah. stories, you yeah. can send the question and ask specifically for stories on Peter Martin, and we we'll have to now, answer it. Now he's gone from you know again um, doing embarrassing things at his parents' uh, parties and socials yeah. uh, to waxing eloquent on. Blaise Pascal. So he's come a long way. <laughs> he's come a long way. And he handles a lot of the counseling here. At the church yeah. too. So, yes, things change. Time changes and moves forward. Well, anyway, as I mentioned, <laughs> enough of this. This uh, These shenanigans. Tom Foolery. Tom Foolery and all, those, all that good stuff. A Reason for Hope, as I mentioned, it's a live broadcast. We are with you Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Tucson, Arizona. That's where we're broadcasting from. It's an outreach ministry of uh, Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. So if you're in the Tucson area and looking for somewhere to fellowship, or maybe you're a new believer, um, but uh, you can come check us out. We're near Prince and I-10, west side of the freeway. We'd love to have you come uh, visit here in the Tucson area. But you can go to our website too, calvarychristianfellowship.com. Go to that live tab right there, watch live, and that will take you to our live page. Anytime we're live, it will be broadcast to here. So our services here at uh, CCF, uh, but also, of course, A Reason for Hope shows. Um, when we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next show, and you'll see a schedule of upcoming events. But when we're live like we are now, you'll see the video right there. You can sign in with a username, and that's one way that you can send your questions in. Again, we welcome your questions on the Bible. Uh, to come on in through that platform. I'll be watching for those questions, and we hope to get to all those questions on the show today. The direct link for that, ccftucson.online.church, or again, just follow the link from calvarychristianfellowship.com. We're on Facebook as well, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, or facebook.com slash ccftucson is the direct link. Don't forget to like and share us around. We'd love to reach not only yourself, but your friends as well but that's another way you can send your question in of course there's a chat function as you know on facebook just send your question right there i will be watching that does sound creepy when i say it like that but it's true yes i will be watching we All have the implications uh, an, <laughs> that's right we have um, an app as well calvary christian fellowship of tucson of course if you look for that in your app store you'll find our app that you can download and watch us there um, we have a channel on roku and apple tv as well so if you have a smart tv or a roku stick or apple tv device you can watch us there. Just add our channel, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. We're on YouTube, of course, uh, A Reason for Hope. Look for A Reason for Hope on YouTube. If you go to that live tab right there, that's a great place to see our archived shows. If you missed a show or you want to uh, you know, watch it again, also our services here at CCF, um, they're all archived there for you on that live tab. And once again, while you're on YouTube, uh, don't forget to like and uh, subscribe and you can even share the link around and click the, the uh, notification bell and just all the things on YouTube. And of course, we're live there as well. I don't think I mentioned that. We are live there as we speak, but uh, you can see the archived version as well if you would like to. Our Pastor Scott right here next to me is on Twitter, Scott R4H, Scott letter R number four, letter H, where he posts all kinds of things highlights from the show, highlighted questions, and a commentary on like world events from a biblical perspective. There's so much going on in the world these days, but follow along with him. It will be informative and a lot of fun as well. So if you're a Twitter person, Scott R4H, you can follow along with him. Uh, we're on Rumble now as well. If you use Rumble, look for a Reason for Hope Bible Q&A. You will find us there, the archived versions of our shows. Um, and probably questions of the, you've been putting questions of the week and things like that up maybe or mm -hmm. something, yeah, things like that. So Everything uploaded on our website, so our bi-weekly Bible studies as well. On there, great. So some good content for you there on uh, Rumble as well, if you're 
boycotting the other things and moving over to there. And last but not least, our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questions for hope all spelled out at gmail.com. You can email us there anytime. Uh, you'll want to use that if you're listening to us on the radio as you are listening to the last show we did pre-recorded, so we're not live with you per se. But use that email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com, and we'll get to that question on our next show. And once again, we're very grateful for your questions. Send them in, whatever platform you're on, send them in early. And we'd love to get to as many questions on the show today as we can. So thank you to you, the viewer. Well, with all that being said, Pastor Scott, would you like to pray? Would you like to pause uh, at, and pray? I think at this point, it would be a great thing to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Father, thank you that we have this opportunity to come into your presence. And thank you, Lord, that you, the true and living God, desire to open people's eyes and hearts and minds to your truth. Lord, I pray especially for those who might be on the outside in looking at a relationship with you. I might have a lot of questions, might be influenced by a lot of bad philosophy and and uh, vain ideas from this world. I pray that you would open their eyes to understand that you love them and that you have given evidence of that love by sending your son and that by taking a look at his life, death, and resurrection, they can have eternal life. Uh, Lord, I pray that many people would make that decision today. Pray for those who have made that decision, that you would build us up and strengthen us in these times where uh, our faith does seem to be almost under daily assault, Lord. We need to be well-grounded in your word uh, for these uh, storms that are brewing in this world. So use this not just as a time where uh, we reach out, with your love and your truth, the message of the gospel. We want to do that. Help it to be a time where you build up your people, and at the end of it all, may you be glorified, Lord. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Well, once again, send your questions in, um, and we will get some on the show today. But as I catch up with questions here, Pastor Scott, is there anything you would like to update us with? Sometimes you get a bit of an update. Yeah, going on yeah lots, lots of um, uh, potential powder keg moments going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. We've uh, mentioned a couple of times this week uh, about the um, UAV attack uh, on the Kremlin. Uh, the uh, Russian government has labeled it an assassination attempt against uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, in fact, a uh, couple things have been said about this. Not only uh, do they feel like this was an attack from the Ukraine, uh, but uh, according to the Russian foreign ministry, this attack was facilitated by the United States. So uh, we've got a couple things going on here. Uh, certainly it does seem uh, like uh, something happened. Uh, there are those, and boy, you know, once uh, something like this happens, the theories get going. Uh, there are those who believe that it was something that was done uh, by Zelensky's government, and uh, they kind of got off the chain, didn't clear it with the United States, and uh, there's a brouhaha there. Some have felt that that's the case. Uh, others believe that it was the United States and the Ukraine working hand in hand. Um, the um, uh, the uh, sabotage of uh, the uh, gas main gas line between uh, Russia and uh, Europe uh, being uh, a, uh, a an endeavor that does seem to fall in the lap of uh, the United States would tend to fit that particular theory. But uh, here's the latest theory uh, that I heard it was over on the PJ Media website. Uh, one of the commentators there believed that this was a false flag situation, that the Russians themselves were the ones who launched the UAVs in order to, uh, well, accomplish some particular end. Uh, they say, well, maybe this will give the Russians permission to attack civilian uh, targets within the Ukraine. Well, the Russians are already doing that. I don't think they really needed permission to do so. That's been pretty much their MO ever since this uh, terrible thing has happened. 
the idea behind uh, upping the ante as far as uh, the kind of weapons that are being used in the Ukrainian conflict, I don't really think that that uh, makes a lot of sense as far as a false flag situation is concerned, because uh, when we take a look at the uh, general ethical framework of a guy like Vladimir Putin, I don't believe that he's pulling punches in this situation. Certainly, uh, he has enough uh, internal pressure uh, regarding uh, the uh, slog that this uh, campaign has turned into uh, to not be giving it his best. Uh, obviously, no tactical uh, nuclear weapons have been used there. I believe it was uh, Senator Lindsey Graham who speculated uh, on that possibility. But there's a lot of that kind of saber rattling going on at this particular point. What's the best explanation? Well, we really don't know. Uh, all that we know is that this is the second such report. There was another report of a UAV uh, attack on a, a business park that Vladimir Putin was supposed to be visiting. That was last week. And then these two attacks that have happened during this week. So uh, pretty um, interesting things. All we can say is it does appear that uh, this is another step forward, another step up in this particular conflict. And speaking of steps up in uh, particular conflicts, uh, another uh, fascinating story that ran in uh, the Jerusalem Post uh, is uh, that uh, Russia, or I should say Iran, according to Israeli's uh, defense minister, now has enough uh, enriched uranium for five, count them, five nuclear weapons. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, also pointed out that uh, Iran now has uh, the uh, intercontinental ballistic missile technology uh, to be able to attack not just sites in Europe, but uh, even some points in the United States if they should so desire. So definitely some uh, things brewing there in the Middle East. We told you a bit about the attack uh, that w that took place in light of a uh, prominent Palestinian dying as a result of a hunger strike at Israeli jail. Over 110 rockets launched uh, by Islamic Jihad from Gaza into Israel. One of the biggest concerns, however, that wasn't really uh, mentioned until today is that the Iron Dome defense, uh, anti-missile defense, did not work as advertised. Quite a few of the missiles actually got through and were not taken out by the Iron Dome. Now, was that a one-off because of a defective unit of the Iron Dome that was in that particular place? Have uh, the uh, terrorists figured out a way to get around the protections of the Iron Dome? We really don't know. But uh, the bottom line is, as we said, uh, this whole thing has uh, turned the Israeli government into uh, quite uh, a mess uh, as is usually the case we talked about. It's Mar Ben-Giver, uh, the head of security for Israel, the cabinet post, uh, being incensed that he was not brought into discussions as to how Israel would respond to these missile attacks that had gone on. Uh, there were threats of him withdrawing his particular support from the Netanyahu government, and as we know, that government is kind of hanging by a thread. So uh, lots going on in Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of the world. Uh, it does seem uh, like uh, there are incredibly destructive uh, weapons and means available to individuals that seemingly have no hesitation in using them. So uh, be praying. Uh, remember uh, wars and rumors of wars, and I think a lot of this fits into the category 
uh, of rumors of wars. Certainly, the launch of missiles from uh, Gaza into Israel is an actual act of war here. But uh, keep your eye on Ukraine. See what the Russian response is going to be, because Vladimir Putin has made it very clear that he is going to uh, respond in a way that is in harmony with the offense and the affront that the Russians felt along that line. One other thing I should add about this, uh, for those of you not familiar with the Kremlin itself, the Kremlin is basically a fortress. Uh, it's built that way. I mean, it has walls and walls within walls. And uh, so the idea of being able to uh, do some damage, uh, even with a drone, with the radars in place and all this other stuff, a little uh, bit uh, straining of, uh, of uh, credulity there, uh, I believe. So what's the real situation going on there? False flag, uh, was it a uh, one-off from someone uh, in Zelensky, Zelensky's government saying, oh, well, we'll show them. We really don't know. It's probably going to come out uh, in the wash in the next few days, but keep an eye on it because Russia may use this as an opportunity to up the ante. Mm. So, well, Thank you for sharing that with us. Definitely calls for prayer, always. Uh, well, we do have some questions coming in. If you guys are ready to jump on in, thank you, for, uh, thank you for your questions. Once again, send them in. Whatever platform you join us on, send your questions in on the Bible. As long as it's an honest question, there's, there's no stupid question at all. Um, I'm sure if someone actually had a conversation at church the other day, someone said, man, I love watching the show because um, I have questions on my heart and mind, and usually people ask the question before I even get to it. So don't forget the questions that you have. I'm sure there are other people that have the same questions, so don't be shy. But... A question from Yari. Uh, what is the glory of women? I think he's asking when it comes to a hierarchy that's given in the pastoral epistles that the glory of God is man and the glory of man is woman. Right. So then the question is, what is the First glory Corinthians of First Corinthians 11. Yeah, so yeah. if we're asking the question, you know, why is women left out of this, it's because it wasn't the point of the conversation. But if we're asking in what way do women or does the woman gender glorify God, I think that is a good question. And what aspects of God's glory are reflected there? Obviously, if we're going to get uh, stereotypical and chauvinistic, then we're going to end up talking past people that want to actually know this information and affirming prejudices of people who ought not to hold those positions. So when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to what we're told about womankind, obviously it can fly contrary to what culture can say about women, for better or for worse, and anything greater than or less than the truth is still a lie. So let's just take it at face value and start with some negatives. Is a woman lesser than a man as far as their substance is concerned? The answer to that is no. In Genesis chapter 2, God created man and woman. In the image of God, he created them. So let's just first lay that out. As far as the glory of God is concerned, and this is worth defining even on its own, we're not just, let me specify that, not just talking about the light that emanates off of him, his majesty, his power, but literally in Exodus 23, I believe, uh, Moses asks God to reveal his glory to him, and he gives an interesting response in saying, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you, but as far as my face, no one can see that and live. So when we're asking what is glory? The word literally means weight or worth, since the ancient world tend to view or determine the wealth 
of somebody on how much weight they had in gold or silver, or if you were living in the Roman period, salt was even used as a currency. These sort of things were measured against a weight of iron or clay or anything that you could form as a standard measurement, and that's how you would determine something's worth. It's worth this much in fill in the blank. So God's worth is centered around that. What is his value? What is his goodness? What does he have to offer uniquely that makes him him, his godness, if you will? Well, obviously, we aren't little gods and goddesses to the chagrin of Mormons everywhere, but if we're going to ask the aspects of God that the image of God, you probably heard that term, the imago dei, how we reflect his characteristics are concerned, it can be pointed out in some very interesting ways. The most direct is also found in Genesis chapter 2, where man was created with a purpose to exercise dominion, authority, over nature, and to steward it, to take ownership of it, if you will, to make sure that it all is running the way it ought to be. Now, did God create a system of disorder? No, he put a system in where someone could perfectly establish order. That is important to note as well. But when we're talking about the authority of man and woman, the uh, status and substance of man and woman being the same, we then have to ask different questions, not just does man and woman reflect the image of God, but in what ways do they reflect the image of God? And as far as a general principle is concerned, biblical passages can emphasize there is one thing that a woman is called uniquely to do that can bring glory to God, and that is the capacity to create life. As far as a man's participation in the life-giving process, it is paled in comparison to the woman's, that the self-sacrifice that goes into not just growing a baby, but uh, birthing a baby and even sustaining the baby in their early years. I mean, even the design of their hips help in just having that guy at your side more than a man does, unless he has some very bizarre calisthenic programs. But the point being made is this. We look at the woman in a physical aspect and note they are uniquely designed for something that men can't do. Also noting that men reflect the image of God in another way that women can't do, or at least aren't called to do. There are exceptions, but there is the ideal. There's other ways that women are giving glory to God in Scripture, and it can be through their spiritual gifts, which aren't gender distinctive per se. We note that Deborah, Miriam, and uh, Philip's daughters are all identified as prophetesses. Even, um, what was it, Ezekiel and Isaiah's wives were identified as prophets, and having a um, notable reputation of teaching God's Word and being advisors to the kings of Israel. We see that. We see uh, exercising of miracles not as much, but noting the gift of prophecy and successful evangelism are very underrated miracles. We see that. We see that women aren't withheld from the exercising of tongues, noting Cornelius and his servants. Women were amongst them, and they also spoke in tongues. The women uh, that were gathered in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 were also able to speak with tongues. And we also note that women can have gifts of administration and hospitality. Look no further than uh, Priscilla and Aquila, a husband and wife, were both given that ministry and exercised it very well. So as far as what is the glory of women in that passage that you're referencing, Yari, that wasn't the point. But how do women glorify God? The same way that men do, as he calls and equips them by his Spirit. I don't think I can add anything to that. Oh, come on, please try. (laughs) (laughs) Underrated Miracles, that's going to be the name of my next band. I like that. 
underrated miracles. I, I like that. I like that too. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you, Yari, for that question. Hope that helps you out. Uh, good job, Sean. Uh, question from Terry, which uh, was from yesterday, but you joined us again. Thank you for sticking around, hanging on in there with your question. But um, will we be male and female in heaven? Yeah, and also a follow-up. What is the purpose of genders? If uh, only for procreation, why do we still have that in eternity? Now, obviously, we look at uh, those in heavenly glory are like the angels, neither male nor female, neither uh, married nor given in marriage. Angels were created before the concept of gender was a thing because they're not biological. But what's interesting is when we ask ourselves what will be like in the eternal state, we look no further than Jesus in his glorified form. Right. And he's not only identified on this earth as a male, as a man, as having a gender, not for biological purposes, because Jesus never had to, or sired children, but we do understand that if he is further identified as a man, that still is a way, like we talked about before, that he glorifies God. Do we have an example? Well, there's several, but the most direct is 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, where we're told there is one mediator between God and man, the man not the thing, not the spiritual entity, not the glorified human, but the man, specific gendered term, right. referring to an XY chromosome male, Christ Jesus. So if we use him as our model of what will be like in the eternal state, not sharing unique divine attributes, but being eternal like he demonstrated to us and uh, having capacity to do things that we can't do right now, a la entering a room without using the door, traveling to different locations miles away just by a thought and so forth. It'll be fun. But the idea is just that. If Jesus is our model of what the eternal state will look like and he retained his gender, we shouldn't think any less. Now, as far as what's the purpose of gender in Scripture, that's a good question. If it's not just for procreation, since we won't do that in heaven, what else could that mean? Well, I think uh, as you uh, answered so uh, wonderfully in the last question, that uh, each gender, if you will, uh, each uh, sex, I guess, to be more uh, specific about it, uh, is allowed to uh, demonstrate different attributes of uh, the glory of God. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we say, there are distinctives that are made there, distinctions of roles. Uh, in uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 5, for instance, uh, we're told that in the marriage relationship, a woman is to glorify God by demonstrating to the world how the church lovingly submits to the leadership of Jesus by being in submission spiritually to her husband. The husband is to demonstrate to the world how Jesus sacrificially loves his people by unconditionally loving his wife like Christ loved the church. And so, you know, we, we can ask this question, okay, are there situations uh, where men are called to submit or to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. We read that right before we get into that discussion mm -hmm. in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 5. But in a unique way, in a special way, women are allowed to have that role in this particular part of God's kingdom and God's plan. Uh, in the same way, are women not called to sacrificially love like Jesus did? No, we are to, again, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, the scripture says. So, but in the marriage relationship, there is a specific focus to this, a specific setup, if you will, that God puts together so that uh, the world can find out by observing God's people, his truth written upon human lives, these different kinds of attributes. So that would be an example of that. Yeah. 
So, so can you say that that God is a he's a mix of male and female, masculine and feminine traits all together, and he kind of traits. separated those out into male and female humankind? Traits, well, yes, traits, but male. not traits, but not gender. Right. Um, right. You know, the, and you know, it's just amazing. We live in days where we have to be so careful about yeah. parsing our words yes. on this, especially theologically. Um, you know, if God were uh, for instance, um, uh, asexual or pansexual or however you want to use uh, the term, uh, there were perfectly good and specific ways of describing that in the original language. It's never mm -hmm. used. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for instance, uh, when God is referred to uh, in the Old Testament, it is always in the masculine, uh, whether it's the Father, whether it's the angel of the Lord, uh, which most believe is a pre-incarnate uh, appearance of Christ. Uh, we're told Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. So some people will say, well, you know, Jesus became male or took on maleness at the incarnation. No, mm -hmm. uh, we see that in the, the instances of the angel of the Lord and so on. So, um, you know, we need to understand that. Uh, we need to understand, however, that God does, through his creation, through the image of God, uh, in the book of Genesis says, male and female, he created them uh, in the image of likeness of God that he, yeah. he created them. So the, the, the main point of all of that isn't that somehow God is pansexual or beyond all of this yeah. and we get him, well, he's spirit, so, you know, but uh, within that spirit, there's obviously this picture of sex or gender that is involved with all of that. That is something that God has designed uh, from the beginning, and uh, it has uh, been something that God has always been and always will be, but God gives to us uh, in even our maleness or our femaleness the opportunity to be able to glorify him in, uh, in different ways. Right. Um, you know, I think that uh, particular avenue goes one way. It goes from heaven to earth. It doesn't go back the other direction, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, we want to say, well, then God is male and female. No, right. the, the Bible precludes that. Yeah. So careful theology uh, always checks a particular theory or some, you know, in vogue, uh, you know, uh, latest and greatest in culture and society, yeah. not by whether it's popular or whether it seems hip yeah. Or some people say, well, it's a bridge builder, you see, and if we just talk about what the Bible says, then people aren't going to be interested. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And, I mean, it kind of bridges into another thing. I think one of the big mistakes that gets made, and this certainly came up in the, the uh, conversation about Pascal uh, earlier this week, is mm -hmm. that one of the key errors that we make is that we think we can win people to Christ by, say, using naturalistic arguments or by starting here on the horizontal and never getting to the heavenly. Mm. You know, the, the problem, the fundamental problem with that is, is that faith does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if we get all caught up in this, like, oh, you know, I want to share my faith uh, with my next door neighbor, but boy, she's really into all of this stuff. So I need to, uh, you know, somehow um, make Christianity more palatable uh, for yeah. them. Uh, you know, I, I guess a, a rather crude example of this would be, you know, it's May the 4th, May the 4th be with you day. Mm -hmm. I remember when Star Wars came out, there were all kinds of bumper stickers, well-intentioned, that said Jesus is the force. 
Right. No, no. Well, no, no, the no, force no. is an impersonal, all-encompassing uh, life force, yep. uh, not created, but created by the life force in people, according to Star Wars theology. You can you can correct me if I'm wrong. The it light. is neither good nor bad. And thus the dark balance. And the dark side is just as good as the light. That's another thing you have to live with. But no, uh, the force is impersonal. God is personal. The force did not become an entity, even if you count the ones. Uh, Jesus became man in a moment of history and was just as much a conscious and personal being before the incarnation as he was before that. When we note there is some definite ideas that were taken from Christianity, for example, the concept of the Chosen One of the Messiah, how that was executed not in the way that it was expected, but communicated through prophecy. A lot of the names and planets, for goodness sakes, there's a planet called Obadiah, the term Anakin, Skywalker, the word is kind of redundant, the Anakim were the giants, the Skywalkers that inhabited Canaan in the Book of Numbers and so forth. But we look at all those things and say, that's fun. That's interesting. That's unique. That might even be an opportunity for conversation. But like we've talked about before, when people say, oh, I want to use the Bible to get people more interested in Star Wars, that's settling for less. But if, on the other hand, you use Star Wars to point people to the Bible, I'd say that's a worthwhile venture. Just make sure that when you're using Star Wars, you don't sacrifice the Bible in the process. If you want a good idea of the bad theology, the dark side literally, of the force and its nature. Uh, the game Knights of the Old Republic 2 described it beautifully. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Plus we can, we can impose our will on the force, right? We can use the force for our will, which is again not I can not our literally will, froth at the mouth and go nerd on you guys for the next four hours, but we only <laughs> have 24 <laughs> minutes. The, the point being made is Disney's made a lot of retcons and alterations, but the point being made is this. The Bible's the Bible, Star Wars is Star Wars. There is a difference. By the way, though, uh, on uh, the website uh, gotquestions.org, which is an awesome website, by the way, one of the popular questions from the day is, what is the Jedi religion or Jediism? Uh, believe it or not, there are people that are uh, founding churches that of Jediism. Wow. Doesn't teach them telekinesis or uh, clairvoyance or uh, uh, what? what's the idea of seeing before things happen? There, there's a word yeah. for it. But anyway, yeah. um, I, I guess that would just be modern Zoroastrianism then because that's the closest to dualistic theology we get in ancient paganism. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yep. So, But yeah. there you go. But uh, there there you go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. We're going to bring every question yeah. back to yeah. Star Wars yeah. today. Yeah. Um, to prove it, we have a question from Vic. <laughs> he says, <laughs> Vic is in light of back. Star Wars Day, <laughs> yeah. may the fourth be with you. What is the purpose of other planets? Is it possible that God created life elsewhere? Great question. Well, we get that question a lot. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, look. As, I mean, as someone who was uh, raised on Star Trek and uh, the original series, of course, uh, looked up to Captain Kirk as one of my heroes and, and so on. Uh, the, the idea of life on other planets is something that has really been a part of our culture for a long time. Uh, you know, I've always thought it was kind of strange that uh, the so-called reason why they don't reveal that aliens are among us and so on is because the culture couldn't handle it and there would be just people that would just freak out. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they did that, they go, why did it take so long? Uh, you know, the, the idea that there is life on other planets, it's almost a given. The only problem with that, two big problems with it. Number one, there is no evidence of life 
on other planets scientifically. Uh, you know, there are obviously uh, UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, uh, but to, to make the jump and say, well, this shows that they come from uh, another planet or that there's a federation of planets out there uh, is, uh, is a huge leap of faith, if you will, based upon uh, scant traces of evidence. So we have to understand that, that first of all. Uh, I was pretty much uh, raised on the idea of this, but when I became a Christian, I started thinking through this from a biblical point of view. And, and I think it's important that we do that, Vic. First of all, we need to ask ourselves the question, does the Bible preclude the idea that there are intelligent, sentient beings on other planets? It does not because it just doesn't mention the subject. It, there is there's no thou, there is no, there are not, there are no net thou shalt nots in scripture. I will say that. But having said that, I would very, very skeptical, very, very doubtful of this. Um, you know, and again, some uh, very respectable Christians have taken the opposite point of view. C.S. Lewis, uh, for instance, thought that uh, if there was box-like uh, entities on some other planet, then Jesus had to go and die for them too or that uh, the earth would be a, a quarantine place because of our fallen sinfulness. Well, I love C.S. Lewis, but I would beg to differ with him here for this reason. Number one, when we take a look at the scripture, we see that the creation itself in Genesis chapter one is very earth-centric. Right. In other words, it begins with the earth. The stars, the moons, the planets, the galaxies are not created until day four of the creation. It's focused in on the earth. Uh, when, uh, when man sins in the Garden of Eden, uh, this has universal consequences. We are told the entire creation groans together in travail mm. until now because of what happened here on planet earth. Right. Uh, if there are other planets, it would seem very strange that a decision made by a creature on one localized planet, if we're all kind of the same and so on, would have that kind of universal impact. Yeah. Uh, when God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, when God decided to enter into his creation, what did, where did he go? He went here to earth. He became a human being. He became a Klingon, a Vulcan, now become a Wookiee. Uh, he became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, I think it's really odd if there are these other planets and so on out there and these uh, sentient spiritual uh, possibility life forms yeah. that God would enter into his creation here and seemingly, uh, more than seemingly, decidedly, continues to exist as the God-man uh, forever, uh, not as the God Vulcan, not as the God Klingon, and so on. And if you say, well, we aren't told about these other planets, well, now you're forming a conclusion on no evidence. That's well, not how you form Well, but here's the real kicker to me. When God wraps up his dealings with this universe, right, it all revolves around events here on planet Earth. Yeah. Jesus comes back into this universe here to Earth. He sets up a thousand year reign here on Earth. Following the last rebellion and the great white throne judgment, the entire universe, the atoms of it are let loose mm -hmm. and recreated into a new heavens and a new Earth based on what happens here. Uh, I just think it's really, really a stretch to say in light of the earth-centric nature of how God's dealings with his creation are presented in scripture. To be able to say, well, uh, you know, why couldn't there be uh, aliens out there? Well, from a 
scientific point of view, if you take the point of view that life isn't really special, well, okay. Uh, in the uh, movie Contact uh, and the book written by Carl Sagan, uh, the theme uh, put forth by the religious character that Matthew McConaughey played in the, in the movie uh, was that if we're the only ones here, it seems like a great waste of space. Mm. You know, and we're alone and so on. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. First of all, is it a great waste of space? Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament yeah. shows forth his name. It's all how you want to look at it. Yeah. Because when, you know, as a veteran backyard astronomer, I used to love, you know, looking at things through my little 100 power Costco telescope and so on. Uh, when you take a look at the things that God has made out there, you know, people say, wow, you know, you see it all and you feel so small, you feel so insignificant. Actually, I have the opposite uh, reaction. Because when I see these things and I see the hand of God and, uh, you know, as, as summer is rising here, man, you want to see the glory of God, you know, get out, I mean, even a cheap telescope and just point your telescope uh, towards uh, the constellation Sagittarius, between Sagittarius and Scorpius that come up in the evening. It looks like a big scorpion there down to the, uh, the southwest or southeast when it comes up. And you see these star clusters and these nebula and, and just these massive, you know, and you just realize that every one of these is just like our sun. And, and it just takes your breath away, the, the beauty and creative creativity of God. And then you stop and like in Psalm 8 saying, when I consider the heavens which you have made, the moon and the stars which your hands have created, what is man that you're mindful of him? Yeah. And the son of man that you pay attention to him. Right. Uh, you know, who am I? Uh, that God would know me, and yet he is so great, so awesome, so omniscient that he takes the time to know me. He yeah. even counts the number of hairs on my head. That's how interested he is in your life and my life yeah. and what's going on there. So it really kind of comes down to your perspective. Is it a waste of space? No, yeah. it's not. It displays the glory of God That's and kind of shows yeah. us, in a sense, uh, our place in the universe, kind of humbles us a bit, which is always a good thing. But the other thing that always comes up in these things is if there are no other uh, civilizations, we are dreadfully alone. Mm. No, we're not. Right. The creator of the heavens and the earth is with us. Yep. You know, we don't have to look for robot Amazons from the planet Stinky Pinky for company in this this uh, universe. Uh, we can know the the God who made all of, all of those things. So uh, I guess to kind of get down to it, Vic, uh, if aliens landed tomorrow, and of course there's a federation of planets and so on, would I lose my faith in God? No, I wouldn't, because I believe in God, because I believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yep. Uh, that, that, you know, whether space aliens land on the White House lawn or not, doesn't change that right. a single bit. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, when I take a look at what scripture has to say about reality and that it's a key to reality that fits exactly right. Uh, you know, either A, it's not important for us to know that there's other life out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even the, the secular scientists will say that the distance, the massive distance even between us and the nearest star uh, is such that it almost seems like it would be impossible for this kind of interaction to take place, you mm -hmm. know, based upon physics as we understand it today. You know, secondly, uh, when we, we take a look at all of this and we check it out through scripture um, you know I think the burden of proof lies with someone that says yeah there's plenty of other species out there yeah. and it's just like Star Wars or Star Trek and so on um, you know there's kind of a UFO messianism that comes out of all of that mm -hmm. like uh, someday these uh, higher intelligent beings will come along and straighten us out or 
you can take the Twilight Zone approach and these more advanced beings will come and say, to serve man is a cookbook! So, (laughs) in fact, Stephen Hawking didn't think it was a really good idea to be sending out these messages because (laughs) you don't know (laughs) what a superior species would do. And in the history of mankind, any more advanced species or version of human beings, when they came across a less advanced species of human beings, well, bad things happen to the yes. less advanced. Yeah, be careful what you so, ask for. Yes, for well, sure. I guess I'd leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Vic Very was, skeptical. <coughs> yes, yeah, I can tell. Yeah. Vic also asked just for fun. Obviously, we don't have to spend very long on this, but what is your guys' favorite Star Wars movie, TV show, etc.? And what is your least favorite? Just for fun, he says, well, Vic, for me, uh, Empire Strikes Back was the first movie I went to see in a movie theater. I guess I was probably six years old. My dad took me, and I remember like it was yesterday, so that's probably one of my favorites not only for that but I just really like the original the original movies and I didn't like the I guess it was the prequels the first prequels they did I didn't like those much at all so, uh, yeah and all that stuff mm. yeah and no, how about you guys you know um, we uh, you know Sean and I have sat down and we've watched some of these series actually uh, far better than the movies I think have been some of these animated uh, series that they've come up with um, you know, I personally thought the writing and uh, just the, uh, the emotional interaction of characters in the series Star Wars Rebels was really, really well done. Mm. You know, I mean, I first started watching, oh, this is kind of cartoony, and stuff, but it starts drawing you in, and you start, it's like watching a soap opera. You start getting invested oh, in the yeah. characters and yeah. what's going to happen to them and so on. And uh, the message of it was huge. It was all about self-sacrifice. It was about letting go of what you wanted most in life mm. for the benefit of others, which I think is an incredibly strong Christian theme. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are just moments where I'm just kind of like, oh, man, I can't believe he did that. And, you know, you got to get <laughs> choked up. So, But uh, uh, what would yours be? Well, I definitely have a f- more closer fondness for the books than the films or oh, the yeah. games themselves. If I were to choose a game, definitely be the Old Republic ones. But my all-time favorite book if I had to pick one, it'd be tough. Can I choose a series? Sure. Uh, we'll definitely let, we'll at the it. top uh, would be the Old Republic novels, specifically Revan, but Malgus and the others were great too. Um, and if I were to put them in like a hierarchy, it'd be the Old Republic novels shortly by the Darth Bane trilogy and then the um, Heir to Empire series. That was supposed to be what episode seven, eight, and nine could have been, but we got that instead. Uh, Episode eight would definitely be my least favorite Star Wars contribution. It was a total character assassination of everything that was meaningful (laughs) in the character of Luke Skywalker, and it was clearly just a shoo-in for Ryan Johnson's ego, my opinion. (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll move on before Sean turns the tables yeah. in here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I highly recommend the books. Uh, I've only, the High Republic series has been utter trash, but if you are interested in the Star Wars series, you want something more meaningful to think about, especially as far as biblical themes are concerned, the book series are all great, yeah. with that exception. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah certainly a great, just amazing uh, whole genre of things well thanks we are Vic. creative creatures yeah yeah yes that's right yeah that's right uh thanks Vic, for being with us great great questions <laughs> thanks yeah. for that fun question too a uh, question from mac d how important is the sinner's prayer um is it a must to be saved or can you just realize you're a sinner and in need of a savior so the actual sinner's prayer how important is that salvation well i think it's helpful for people but i'll get letters on this it's not biblical mm. um there's no formulized 
prayer that you will run into in scripture and say, okay, when someone is ready to enter in right. to a relationship with Jesus, you know, here's, here, the here's, the, here's the words that you should pray. Right. Um, having said that, however, one of the reasons that we do lead people in the sinner's prayer is biblical. Uh, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, we are told that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Uh, we are also told that uh, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So we could ask ourselves the question, okay, what does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? What is the content of that prayer? Well, that prayer, in, in essence, is not what saves. What right. saves is faith in Jesus. In essence, when a person comes to faith in Jesus, that is what spiritually allows them to be able to pray that prayer. It's not the prayer that allows them to come to faith in Jesus. And it's so important for us not to get the cart before the horse. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If I said, well, I'm saved because I prayed the prayer, what you're saying is I'm saved by a work. Yeah. Uh, prayer is a work, you see. Uh, the only thing that we are saved by is by faith in what Jesus has done for us. And that is something that happens in the heart. It is something that God gives to us, as we see there in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Then we are told, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So the sinner's prayer kind of fits into that Ephesians 2.10 category. It's like the first good work, in a sense, you can do when you are born again, when you're made alive spiritually. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Before you came to Christ, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You couldn't do anything to please God. Those in the flesh cannot please God, period. So it's not a question of praying the right prayers or, or things like this. It's a question of putting our faith and trust in Jesus. God opens your understanding to understand who Jesus is, that he died on the cross for you, uh, that you have a sin problem, and that he paid the price for your sins, that he rose from the dead. And when God gives you that faith, then that faith is expressed in prayer. So uh, is the sinner's prayer uh, a useful thing. Well, yeah, I think it is because a person can say, yeah, you know, I came to believe these things and on this date, at this moment, at this time, I expressed it. Right. Uh, you know, I, I put it into action. Uh, you know, it, it, in that sense, it is like baptism. Baptism does not save. Right. Uh, if you do not have Christ in your heart and you get baptized, all you're going to get out of it is wet. Mm. But if you do have Christ in your heart, if you have asked him, uh, to be your Lord. If you do put your faith and trust in his life, death, and resurrection, well, then baptism is a beautiful step of obedience and faith and one that God honors tremendously, yeah. one that God wants every believer in Christ to do. Does God want every believer in Christ to pray? Well, pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Sinner's prayer might be the first prayer you ever pray, but it shouldn't be the last prayer you ever pray. Yeah. It should be the opening of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, all affirming things that are necessary for salvation, but it's not necessary for salvation if you understand the difference. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And important. It, it sounds like we're splitting hairs there, but the distinction is really, really important. Yeah. Because if you don't get that right, man, I have seen people go through their Christian lives just uh, almost bent over with this this incredible fear that they haven't done enough to please God. Right. 
you know, and, and, and that, that, oh my goodness, you know, I have to pray this prayer and I have to pray it just right. And, and, you know, how do I know I was really sincere when I prayed that prayer and, 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 and so on, or, you know, well, did that prayer include these particular points of doctrine? And, you know, and, and you almost uh, become set up uh, for the spiritual wolves that come along and, and want to ruin your faith in Christ. Uh, it doesn't get any more simple than this. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, the legalist would say, yes, but faith without works is dead. Mm. Well, okay, if what you call your faith never changes your life, uh, if it doesn't make any difference in your life, well, then maybe you need to take a step back and ask if you really believed in Jesus at all. But don't get the cart before the horse. Some people will try to achieve uh, assurance of their, their salvation. I say, well, I prayed the prayer, or I got baptized, or I go to church. You know, all these things are commendable to do, but they have nothing to do with salvation. Yeah. It's all what Jesus did for us. All we can do is accept that. We hear the phrase, accepting Christ. Well, yeah. it means accepting the fact that I can't save myself, yeah. accepting the fact that God paid for my sins when Jesus died on the cross, accepting the fact that he rose from the dead mm. in a moment of history. I did that in my heart. I'm saved. Right. And, you know, it's that same kind of faith that confounds the legalist because that's exactly what saved the thief on the cross. Right. You know, he didn't have all his points of doctrine down, yep. uh, but he believed in Jesus. And, yep. and that was enough for Jesus to say, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. He didn't give him a quiz on how he felt about infralapsarianism or the five points of Calvinism. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't have time to do any kind of ministry or store <laughs> no, or anything or the at all. oxygen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no work. Yeah, come at down all. from the cross and make amends to all the people. He, right. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Or reach out to the children in Africa or something yeah. like that. But, yeah. Well, great stuff, uh, Mac D. Yes, thank you for that question. Great question. Thanks for being a regular on the show. A question from Patty here. We're coming off the end of a show already, if you can believe it. Uh, Patty asks, uh, because Jesus died for our sins, freeing us from the bondage of sin and death. Uh, we can now live our lives in the realm of the Spirit. Our spirits were dead, but He made us alive in the Spirit, allowing us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can walk in the Spirit. So, so what's the question? <laughs> so in what sense do we walk in the Spirit? Um, yeah, can we now live our lives in the realm of the Spirit? So uh, I guess it's a question of what does it mean to walk in the Spirit when well, not in the spiritual realm? We're still well, here well, in the flesh. Well, well, let me take a stab at it, I yeah. think, by just going to the uh, the most salient uh, passage on this whole deal. It's in Galatians chapter 5. And uh, there we read, I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, notice what, what Paul is saying here. What Paul is saying is, is just because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, just because we experience the coming upon power of the Spirit from time to time, doesn't mean that we still don't have a fallen nature. Right. Uh, Romans chapter 7 you know, the tension of living in two ages at once. Uh, Paul didn't say, oh, wretched man that I was. He said, oh, wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. So here you see that the struggle continues and will yeah. continue until we see the Lord face to face. However, we are not like we were before we were saved. The moment we were saved, the Holy Spirit indwelt us. We now have the resource necessary to be able to live a life that pleases God, yeah. not by trying harder, not right. by coming up with a spiritual to-do list, but by faith, allowing the Lord to change our heart, allowing the Lord through his spirit to live his life out through us, to mm. forgive through us, to give 
through us, to share through us, to help others, to love through us. And that's the biggie. Uh, verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, being filled with the Spirit allows me to experience the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Now, is it always going to be perfect? No. Is it always going to be consistent? Sometimes it's fits and starts, but it's going to be there. And as God continues to cause us to grow and continues to tell us how to work, to walk in the Spirit, uh, we'll have more and more opportunities to see that in action. Yeah. So that's what the Spirit-filled life is really all about, letting yeah. the Lord live His life out through us, right. you know, as He reveals that life through His Word. Right. Yeah, and as I think of it, I think that may have been a follow-up we talked yesterday about um, should we need like internet filters and these kind of things and I think that was a follow-up living in the spirit but as you said there's still that battle going on us because we're still fallen man and so although we walk in the spirit doesn't mean we still don't deal with those kind yeah, of things. Well you know? look, I guess to sum all that up would you say Sean that it would be a spirit uh, filled action for me to turn on my computer and going you know I feel a little tempted now uh, I better make sure the filters in place. Do you think that, that's yeah. being filled with the Spirit? I think that's far more being filled with the Spirit than saying, well, I have more confidence in God than my own flesh, and then going deliberately into an area you struggle with. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a lot of uh, really bad stories that start that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're out of time for today. I'm calling it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you get to be the mediator here. Scott, thank you so much, Sean. Oh, thank you're you. welcome. Yeah. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. And thank same. you all for being a part of it. Yeah, great questions today. We appreciate you. Uh, same team tomorrow, huh? Yeah. Three of us back tomorrow. It'll be the last day of the week. The Friday. Lord doesn't return. We'll be back. That's right. Let's hope that We're he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's hope that we won't be live tomorrow. That'd be great. But have a wonderful evening. We'll see you back here same time, same place. God, God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.